Hey, Jack, I got a question for you. What's that? Do you know why we have a theme song? Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Go on then. Hey, I'm Paul Jarvis, and this is Jack Ellis with me here. Guten Tag to you as well. We're the co-founders of Fathom. And this, I guess, is the Above Board podcast where we look at what it takes to run an ethical tech company in this current year, 2019, 2020, and beyond. Future-proofing. What are we talking about today? Today we're talking about how we decide what features to build. Don't we just build everything that everybody pitches to us on Twitter. Especially people that aren't our customers as well. <laughs> That's what we do. Uh, so we're going to talk about how we go through this and how we decide what to build. You've had a lot of people asking you on your AMA on Indie Hackers. Yes. And we're going to break down how we decide what enters the software. I think before we do that, I think it is important to bring up that... Fathom kind of has two things going for it, right? Simple analytics, privacy-focused analytics. So any features that we build or consider building has to tick both of those boxes, right? Or otherwise it's not other, otherwise it doesn't line up with the reason that Fathom exists in the first place. Yeah, that's right. So I think if we just build if and it was a joke, but like if we did just build every feature that everybody asked for, what would we end up with? Google Analytics, of course. Exactly. We don't want. I don't want that. You don't want that. Nobody. Nobody wants that. So we need to kind of walk this line of yeah, we want to make our customers happy. We don't want them to churn. We want to make sure they have value, air quote unquote, for the money that they're paying. But we also don't want to build everything or do all of the things because then it's like death by a thousand cuts, right? We, do, we would just end up with bloated software. Yeah. And one of the things about deciding to do certain features is that as you go through the life cycle of your product, it changes. So at the beginning, I was much more on the side of, I'm going to listen to what people are asking for because there's a chance that someone else will want it. So when we were at the lower end of the customer count, I was open to ideas. So why aren't you buying this product? Oh, you want this feature. Oh, a second person wants this feature. We should probably consider building this. But as we're getting more and more customers who are buying Fathom for exactly what it is, it becomes much harder to say, yeah, let's add this. A good example being UTM. So we've had, I want to say, four or five people ask for UTM. People that were customers, I think maybe one customer was really after that, maybe two. And then we had people that weren't customers. We didn't add that in, and we're still getting lots of customers. So you've really got to be careful with what you let in into the system, because it is, it's a race to become Google Analytics, which we never want to be. Yeah, and I think for, specifically for UTM, that feels so Google. Like it feels like Google nomenclature, a Google way to do things. And we have actually talked to a customer who gave us another idea for how to do something similar that we might explore. But I think just building features that like the competition has or something like that might not serve us best. 
right? And I think that's kind of what brought up, and I mean, a few days before recording this, which is current for us and not current for whoever's listening, you and I had a conversation about the type of customers that we want, right? And I think this plays a huge role in it. And you touched on the fact that, yeah, we already have people who are gladly paying for the current feature set, which is cool. And when people start asking for, oh, I would buy this if it did this, I think that that can get a little dangerous. And I mean, this was a whole conversation that we had about, is Fathom really for huge businesses or for enterprise customers? And it's not. Yeah, so enterprise will typically have a bigger marketing budget and they want to do all sorts of things that we just never, ever plan to do. Without naming any names, as we've already said in the pricing article, we've had people come on board and they've said, oh, can you do this, this, and this? And my gut reaction because of the size of the customer was, oh, maybe we can do this and maybe it can be optional. And before we know it, we're distracted by this customer who might pay a few hundred dollars a month and we're alienating all of our, all of our customers that want things simple. And that's just it. You do. You alienate your current base if you go after these big customers. And in addition to that, one of the big things that I've been thinking about is if we go after the enterprise customer, we spend all our time building enterprise features, we become too reliant on the enterprise income. So our MRR will end up being made, say, at 50%, 60%, will end up being enterprise customers. So for each enterprise customer you lose, it feels like a stab to the heart. Whereas at the moment, if someone throws their toys out of the pram because we're not willing to track visitors through the website and use cookies or whatever else, no big deal. It's, it's, uh, we're diversified with the smaller plans and it just feels nicer. Having a simple analytics platform and going after enterprise would just be stupid. I think leave enterprise for the, well, the Googles of the world or yeah. even who else goes after and there's Mixpanel and everyone else. Exactly. There are solutions for that. And I also feel like enterprise, while it can be appealing because you feel like, oh, well, this could be a couple hundred dollars a month in our MRR for a bump, right? It also comes with like white glove service or a lot of hand holding or a lot of help with setup. And at that point, it kind of feels like you're running a service <laughs> and not a product. Whereas most of our customers are on the $14 plan or the $140 a year plan, right? Yeah. And those customers really, they might have one, I think most people have never contacted our support. I think by and large, we get more pre-sales questions to our support queue than we do get questions about, oh, well, how do I do this? Because we don't have, the features are so limited that you have to install the code on your footer. You can look at the dashboard, which is one page, and you can maybe, if you want, set up some goals. And that's about it. You could turn on email reports, which I actually like. I'm so glad we have that feature because I get the emails myself because I use Fathom for all of my stuff. And I look at the reports week to week and I'm like, this is a cool feature. Just like, <laughs> I can't remember who tweeted about it. But so, oh, Jack McDade was talking about how his favorite feature in Fathom was the current visitors that shows up in the tab. And that was just such a throwaway idea that I had in a chat with Danny, the previous co-founder. Mm -hmm. I was just like, wouldn't that be cool? He's like, yeah, I guess, whatever. And then I forgot that I suggested it and he co he wrote it on a to-do list and coded it. And that's probably one of my favorite features as well. So Jack McDade's, the Statamic guy's favorite mm -hmm. feature as well. So I think little things like that are good features because they can benefit 
the whole. They can benefit all of the customers of a certain type. Because we kind of know who our customers, at this point as well, we kind of are getting a better idea of the type of person or the type of business owner who is or who would likely become or find value in a product like Fathom. So we can tailor the features we think about more towards them. Because as we're doing this, we get to know them a whole lot better. Yeah. On the topic of the live visitors, we don't just add features, we also refine features. So the live visitors, the current visitors, full disclosure here, I rarely, rarely visited our dashboard in version one, whereas now I visit it at least once a day. And the value that the live visitors brings, yes, it's the tab, but we can now offer a way for you to see the pages they're on and the referrers. And that's so valuable to see because we can see if we've been posted somewhere and it's going viral. Or if someone's tweeted about us, we can see the tweet that actually brought people to the dashboard. So I'm now using it every single day. And you know about this because um, I'm using your account and I'm changing between the sites sometimes to have a look. So um, yeah, that comes back to the whole refining thing we've been talking about. So we, me and Paul have been talking and instead of just rushing forward on the features, even the features that are good and should be added to the system. It's important that we step back and we refine what we've got. Can we go any further with the features we've got? Today we were talking about database structure. And I don't know how much of this I want to talk about because we haven't done it yet, but um, we've got a lot of ideas for how we'd improve the database moving forward and make things, things are already fast, but make things much faster. Yeah, and customers never see, customers don't know how we're querying the database, right? And like it doesn't affect them in that way, but it does affect them in terms of well, how fast do my reports load? If I go into my Fathom account, I've had it running for a year or more, I think in a few cases, how fast will a report load? We want that to load almost instantly. We want that to load really really fast. And so in doing these things and making refinements to the... Actually, that's something that I want to bring up then because that relates to this, is I think for every new feature added to a software product, there's a cost or a debt associated. So there's a technical debt in if the way that you program it is just done quickly then and you want to tweak it or change it later, how easy or hard is it to do? There's the debt or the cost of if we add this feature... How much support or documentation are we going to have to do so that our customers actually understand what this feature is? And I think the third cost or debt of the feature is how does it fit into the overall marketing of the product? Like, would this feature help us sell more Fathom plans? And that one's a little bit hard, right? But I think now, as we get a better sense of who our customers are, we can kind of judge that a little bit better. Are there any other costs or debts? you can think of around features. Like it's not just building a feature and adding it to the software. There's a lot of other things that go into it. But as you say this, I'm thinking to myself, this just shows how you change through the life cycle. If we were at the start and we've got three customers, that is the time where we should be experimenting with features because we don't know. So um, what's this? Derek, Derek, is it pronounced Rima? Rima? I don't, I don't know. The um, static... Kit. Stat- static kit founder. Yes. You can see that he's trying a series of different things and you can tell that he's thinking things through. He doesn't necessarily know what people are going to want, but he's at an early stage in his product where he's trying different things. And when we were at the start, we were much more open to trying all these different things. I mean, even the countries, 
You know, we actually asked our customers, we did surveys, and it was really simple. They'd say yes or no. We'd say, do you want countries? Majority came back saying yes, and we would experiment that way. But now we're at the stage where we're having so many signups, especially since version 2 launched. We're seeing stupid numbers every day. It's quite overwhelming in an amazing way. So we're seeing new people join every single day, and they're saying, I love Fathom as it is. So you sort of need to slow down a little bit because you can overwhelm people by introducing too much. And that's the whole going through the life cycle, it changes. Mm -hmm. If we add too many features all at once as well, it kind of spends all of our marketing juice. Like if we add features kind of incrementally, like maybe one a month or every two months, then that's a new article, a blog post that we can write. That's a new thing that we can tweet about. That's a new <laughs> thing that we can send to our mailing list, right? If we just kept adding and adding and adding, I would be, if I like, I always think about it if I was on the other end of this, I wouldn't want to get an email from a software product that I pay for every couple of days with a new feature. I wouldn't, as a customer, I wouldn't be able to keep up. Well, I'm sure it was you that actually pointed this out because you talked about how you wanted to move on to the refining. Now, the reason, look at our news section. We have just released affiliates, um, WordPress plug. We've done a ton. In the space of two weeks, we've released a ton. And I think that's what's made us realize that we need to space these out mm -hmm. because um, some people will go months without updating anything. And that's obviously the other extreme. But we're moving at crazy intensity where we need to slow things down and be more structured with our release cycle. And But we're at that stage. We, I think we're at that stage. Mm -hmm. Based on how we're growing, based on the number of customers we have, I think we're at a stage where we need to be more structured with things. Uh, the custom domains, that's still in beta. And uh, beta, beta. And uh, we're going to do some refining on that, but that's going to be released too. We've just written another article, four and a half thousand words, <laughs> which is a, a super nerd article about why we moved to Vapor. We can flood our customers or our, our potential customers with too much. And also, the unconscious mind needs to work. So when I first see something on Twitter, perhaps, or on the Paul Jarvis newsletter, oh, Fathom is privacy-focused analytics. Oh, cool, that looks good. I need some time for it to actually sink in. And then I might hear about it again in two weeks' time. Whereas if someone's just flooding it or shoving it in my face, it, it can be overwhelming. So I really like this idea of let's refine and slow down on the features. I really mm -hmm. do. But um, people listening, in terms of how, if you're listening to this and you're building a SaaS and you're thinking, well, that's all good you saying that, but what do I do? I'm starting a SaaS. How do I know what features to bring in? Um, what's our process? So I come in and I say to you, Paul, I say, um, I'm trying to think of an example that we've had requested. Here are 36 ideas I thought of last night. <laughs> <laughs> or a spreadsheet of ideas of things we need for us to spend $100 with you. Um, what? So some, someone comes in and they say, I really want to be able to track the... Well, that would be a no-go because of privacy. Um, we've had some... Anyway, pretend the feature is, uh, I want to be able to track... Someone's UTM tax. Let's use that example because that's sure. the only one I can think of right now. What's the first thing we do with that? We don't just discard it. We don't just reply saying, okay, boomer. We, we take it in. Then what do we do? We talk about it internally ad nauseum. And what questions do we ask? Um, that's a good 
It's a good question. I think we ask, how valuable would this be to other customers? How long would it take to build a V1 of this? What would need to be present in the first iteration of this for it to be useful but still simple? How easy would it be to use? I think those are some of the questions. What would the design of it look like? How long would it take to code? Yeah. What else? So how much of the market are we missing by not having this? Yeah. And that was actually one of the part of the reasoning behind our move away from enterprise is how many people are we alienating by saying, oh, if you have 200,000 views, you've got to pay $30 more. It just seems unreasonable. We were also thinking, well, how many people are we alienating? If I've got 250,000 views, I don't want to pay for a million. That just seems unfair. Mm-hmm. So question being, how much of the market are we potentially missing by not having this. So UTM tags, what else are they going to want? Because someone who's using UTM tags may also want pixel-based conversions and all that stuff. Someone tweeted about adverts earlier. So yeah, I think that's the big thing for me. How many customers could we gain by introducing this? How does it affect our current customers? And uh, yeah, and obviously how long does it take? We don't really rough anything. We're quite methodic when it comes to implementing things. This is for another episode, but I think the biggest thing for me is that although I think I can do front-end work really well, I need to step back and let you do that. Because we we recently, with our custom domains, I decided to um, just reuse the site's interface and just play around with that, get it all together, and then send it out for testing. And then you sort of looked over it and were like, okay, cool. But uh, I think nearly uh, probably 80% of the testers came back and said, I need this, this, and this. And it's just a typical case of a developer missing something. And then fast forward, we handed it to you, you did your take at it, and it's now completely different to what I had done in the first place. And we've simplified the process and everything else. So um, I think it's hard the first time you try to make a feature to get it 100% right. Like I sat down and I looked at the flow and there was a lot of, you, you made a lot of steps. Oh, yeah. But it was a, it was the first time kind of thinking through the problem, right? And I think for any problem, the first time you figure out a solution, it's inelegant because you're just trying to get to the solution. And then once you get there, you can go back and say, okay, where in this process can be smoothed out? It's like when you're doing math equations in school and you have to show your work. It could take you 30 lines to get to the final answer the first time you do it. And then you could think of, oh, well, what if I use this or use this and use this? And then it's 10 lines less and five lines less. And then you're like, oh, it's all on one single line now that I can come up with the answer. But the first time, it's really, really hard to to kind of figure that out. So I think with the features that we build, there's a lot of stuff that customers don't see because there's so much internal refinement on our end because we want it to be as simple as possible the first time a customer sees it. Yeah, no, that makes good sense. And I look at it from a programmer's perspective. The actual process I had built into about eight steps because we were doing DNS checks and all sorts of things. So there was that at play. So I then came to the front end and I thought, oh, the front end should represent this, this, and this. So that's where designers and developers differ. And I think that's a future episode. Where we get a designer and a developer and we get them to fight till the death. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yes. So when a feature comes in, at what point, so we've had a feature come in, and then three more people ask for it. Is it always a case that it has to go through our process, or do we ever say that there is not strength in numbers, but there is um, clearly a demand for this? 
How many people move your thinking for that? Even with the countries, you didn't want the countries, right? Yeah. But then you thought, well, okay, if people are actually wanting it, and as long as I can hide it, <laughs> um, <laughs> so how many people move it? It depends on what it is. Like we had one person on Twitter say, I can't believe, and he, he said it in such a weird way, but I know English isn't his first language, so I didn't take offense to it. But he said that I'm offended that this feature doesn't work in a certain way. And I, I showed it to you, and I was like, you know what, he's right. Why don't we change that? It took us, I, th I think, like 20 minutes to make that change. But for other things, like UTMs, we've been discussing UTMs since the summer. <laughs> <laughs> so I, it depends on the feature. I mean, even Miguel asked on, on Hacker News, how do you prioritize what you build? Or how do you prioritize what you build next? I don't know the answer to that. I think it depends on how big the feature is. I think sometimes we just want to get a bunch of quick wins, right? Like we just want to, here's a bunch yeah. of small features or small refinements we can do that it feels like this is moving the needle forward and there's momentum. We're just going to do those. And then we'll want to come back and tackle some bigger ones too. So it makes you think about the work to impact ratio, if you like, and working out what's the, what the most effective thing you can do at this moment is. And the thing as well, people look for this formula. There is no right answer. You may do something that you think is completely, not completely pointless, but is such a kind of throwaway thing that might take you a few hours to do. But there'll be a few people out there that turn around and go, wow, this is just amazing. So there is that as well. You're, taking it, you're making an educated guess. No one knows anything. Even if people are saying to you, yeah, yeah, I really want this product and then I'll buy it. Okay, I've done it. Are you going to buy it? Oh, no, no, maybe, maybe next year. Yeah. How many times has that happened? Right? Like, oh, yeah. That's why I, don't, I put more stock into what people who are paying for Fathom are saying. If somebody's saying, I would buy Fathom if, then I'm like, mm, I will listen 100%, but it's going to carry far less weight. 100% because, yeah, they're not, conver they're not converted. But I did call the guys bluff. We had someone who said that they would buy if we had a WordPress plugin. <laughs> I remember and, that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and we said, okay, well, let's see. Let's see if they actually do. And I expected them to just come up with an excuse. You don't know this person, right? They're new to you. And they actually bought. And they said, thank you, I really wanted this. I'm now a customer. <laughs> so... Uh, yeah, that's pretty funny, unexpected. Yeah. Well, I mean, the WordPress plugin is pretty cool. You can see Fathom in your WordPress dashboard. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, cool. like, I use that for my WordPress sites. Oh, we built two-factor authentication as well. Yeah. Avoid feature overload. How long did that take? I think I only had to design one screen for that, so I didn't do much. Yeah, that took probably an afternoon, I'd say. And yeah, that's fun as well. So we're, as everyone knows, we're building Fathom amongst other work, and we're still able to get stuff done, which is pretty incredible if I don't say so myself, dart off the shoulder and all that jazz. <laughs> um, so, and that's it. How much time do you have available? If you're talking about building features, I actually avoided doing the referral system. Oh no, let me think this through. This is actually a good point about something we did recently. I avoided doing the referral system, even though it has the potential to move the needle quite significantly, because I was, I was overcomplicating it. I had this complicated, I mean, we spoke about it. We didn't intentionally complicate it, but it was quite sophisticated. Mm -hmm. We had all these different steps and processes that the incoming money would take and it would be in different states. And then the way the cron jobs work to move the money around. And then after I pushed that away and said, you know, I'm going to do this in 2020, we had an afternoon where we thought, well, what if we just made it really simple? 
What if we just said it's going to do this, this, and this, and we're not going to we're not going to overcomplicate it? And this is just the brain working in the background when you're not thinking about it, finding ways to simplify it. And then we we built the affiliate system in much less time than I'd ever anticipated. So, and that comes back to this whole MVP thing. And it isn't always let's do the quickest, cheapest, roughest thing possible. You can still have a quality product that is an MVP. And I think there's movement away from the typical MVP into more of a kind of uh, it's still it's still a quality product because MVP for the longest time was someone grabbing bootstrap, putting things together, doing it really awfully. Here's saying, a, oh, a yeah, Wufu form and a yeah, Zapier. Exactly. Oh, this is just an MVP. No, it's not an MVP. It's just a piece of crap. Why don't you actually spend some time making it good quality, but simple? So MVP in terms of features, not MVP as in I'm going to build a shit product, because no one will buy it. Yeah. I saw someone the other day, this was a, a new site, someone had actually called us out over something. It was, um, it was saying that it's faster than Fathom because we have Google Cloud, it's Google Cloud CDN endpoints or something like that. They were talking about how many access points they had or something stupid. The product shit. <laughs> like no one cares about your product if it's shit. You need to actually spend time making a good product. It comes back to your tweet thread. Everyone can build everyone. Anyone can build an analytics tool. Doesn't mean it's good. Doesn't yeah. mean that people want to use it. Anyone can so build can this bo- shitty analytics tool. It's true. So, so don't be boasting about this, that, and the other. So yeah, coming back to the feature thing, spend, make a quality feature, simplify it. Don't make it complex. So if you're thinking of building this new feature, say to yourself, is there a way that I can make this simpler, but it still deliver a huge amount of value? Just simplify it. That's what I'd say. And then when you get to that point, even a feature that seems huge can seem smaller. And that's, that's not always the case. When we're talking about big, big projects and you're saying, oh, just simplify it, I appreciate that that's a bit more difficult. But if we're talking about something like a referral system, I think Miguel on Twitter saying he wants to build a referral system. There is a way of making that simpler. It doesn't have to be a two-week project. Just think about it. This podcast is sponsored by my daughter and her <laughs> screams in the background. What? I wasn't going to say anything. I can hear them. I wasn't going to say anything, though. The baby in the room. <laughs> yes, what will be out of this basement uh, in the future, which will be nice. So, uh, yeah, so that's that's how I see features. I think we've got to spend more time making them simpler, and we do, and that's what we try to do. And so, it's not easy. Simple isn't as simple isn't always easy. I the other thing about the affiliate program build out was that we did it in real time with each other. Like we stayed on Skype for a couple hours. That was great. And we talked through all of the programmatic things. You shared your screen and showed me some code. I shared my screen and showed you some other affiliate programs. I was writing the front end pages as you were writing the back end scripts and stuff. So it kind of it kind of happened and we just basically figured out like okay, what does an affiliate program need to do or else it'll fall apart and basically just track the person who referred another person. And that's all it is. Yeah, yeah. and payouts. Yeah, and once we had that figured out, it went fairly quick because we were kind of problem solving as we were going and yeah, it took us a couple hours. That was great. I was pretty wired after that, but <laughs> <laughs> that, that's good, and that's what remote workers should do: is, yeah. is those those uh, one to ones over Skype, where it's just in real time. You've had a bit of caffeine, and you're just going hard at it. Yeah. 
um, full disclosure as well, we're talking about MVPs. One of the things that we said was um, our referral program, it has a 30-day holding period. And that's just in case there are scammy payments and that sort of thing. So we said to each other, well, we've got 30 days to build the payout mechanics. <laughs> and it's true. And that's an example of where we haven't compromised on the product, but we've got it into action. People are using it. And then we still have time to build this payout. And the worst and he, case scenario was that we would just I would just manually sit there and do manually the do it. Exactly. So the worst case scenario was not awful. It just wasn't automated. Exactly. Yeah. So for people that are listening this far, we have got a summary of tips really. It's simplifying the feature. Well, we've said a few things. Simplifying the feature, looking at the market that wants it. Um, you said uh, looking at the weight of the request based on who is asking for it. And it actually, just a, a sidestep on here, one of the big things that a lot of people say is get someone to pay you rather than just just saying they'll do it. Say, okay, if you become a customer, we'll build this. We've, we've not done that. And I'm not saying that I advise that, but it is an interesting thing. Will they actually put their credit card details in? Mm-hmm. Maybe. But uh, what was your summary? Any other, any other things to add on that? No, I mean, I think that's pretty good. And I think it all just needs to go through the lens of common sense for the person building it like ultimately it's our like we want our customers to be happy but we also want to be happy building a business that we want to continue running so part of it as well is like do i want software that i'm managing to do this thing and that for me is a big thing as well like yeah i want to get ideas from customers but i also want to think like is that sound like i'm excited about that like would i be stoked if a product that i'm part of is doing that And yeah, I think for me, that's it. Anything else on your end? Well, as you were saying that, I'm thinking to myself the the whole we want faster horses thing. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. yeah. Um, If I'd asked the people what they wanted, they would ask for faster horses. This was, I believe it was Henry Ford who was obviously building cars. So that does make you think we do need to lead with our ideas in a way, but it doesn't mean that we can't be informed by customers. And for any of our customers that are listening this far in, for all of you that send in ideas, we really appreciate you. It's really humbling to have so many people that care so much about the product. We've got numerous customers that are constantly sending in ideas and they're not hostile about it. They're just, they want to give us ideas. It's just incredible. (laughs) It's humbling. It's uh, out of all the things I'm grateful for with Fathom and the business, having people like that, that are so excited about our product, that retweet and like everything we post, they email us and they help us out in ways. It just that's the best thing. On Thanksgiving, I'm reflecting on what I'm grateful for. And I'm not go. even in the United States. You're 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 a Brit in Canada, so <laughs> way to go. <laughs> Our Thanksgiving was in October. Oh yeah. yeah.